God's not interested in giving you faith just over one experience where you come through one crisis and, and you say, oh, thank God, I had faith, I got through it. Yes, you got through the first one. That was the first one, that's the Red Sea. And there are others that come behind it. It may not be the same kind, of be a different kind of a test. But he's not looking for situational faith, he's looking for a lifestyle. He's looking for hearts that are totally at rest. Come what may, my God is faithful. Come what may, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. For we which do believe enter into rest. You go into rest by simple childlike faith. When you make a commitment to believe God and not doubt him in any situation, there has to come a time when all the whys, why God, are gone. Until all those questions are gone, you say, I have a loving father. I stand here and rest, boasting only in the word of God and in his Holy Spirit that he's been faithful to give rest and peace to my soul. For he that has entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. In other words, you're not trying to be brave in the face of trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No more worry about Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord God, tonight because you alone are God. And as we gather tonight for service, Lord, we ask you, may the lifting up of our hands, may our worship, may our song, may our praise, may everything we do be a sweet aroma, Lord God, unto you. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And may you and you alone be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Brothers, sisters, and friends, welcome to this Saturday, June the 27th edition of Church Without Walls. Let's welcome King Jesus into our midst. Lyrics up in the chat room. Come on and join us. Lift up the gates, fling wide the doors. The King of Glory's coming. Hey. Through city streets and living hearts, we see His spirits moving. Now His kingdom comes. Now His will be done. Hallelujah. 
Come prophesy that now's the time. Get ready, church. Let's rise up.
going father we love you we worship you oh this next song now this next song may not be familiar to you it's somewhat new but again the lyrics are going to be up in the chat room i want you to just 
listen before you sing. I'm a firm believer. We don't we don't just sing because the beat sounds good. Okay, this is worship, and you can't worship if you don't really know what you're saying. So I want you to listen to this. You're the God of second chances. You've been writing my story all along. You're the God of new beginnings. Grace has always kept me in your arms. You're so much better than I think you are. The way you love me from the very start. You're so much better than I think you are. My soul knows it very well. Let's sing. Let's worship.
Come on, sing it. Yes. Come on, do you trust him? Don't just sing it, mean it. Come on. Lift up your hands. time I trust you come on I trust you you are my peace trust you Let it go tonight. Come on, what are you holding on to that holds you back from the glory of God's intention for your life? Let it go. I let it go. I let it go.
have another song of worship coming up after this one. But I really feel impressed of the Lord. To slow things down for a moment, we're going to take a moment to pray. We're going to take a moment to pray for our nation and to pray for the church. Jesus Christ himself, I, I know that in our history, in United States history, Abraham Lincoln always, almost always gets the credit for this quote, but he was quoting scripture when he said, Jesus Christ himself speaking, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And as we were worshiping, those words kept echoing through my heart. We live today in a fractured nation. Please, no commenting about your particular political party. I, I, listen, I understand we're passionate about these things. But our nation is becoming more and more and more deeply divided. Worst of all, the church... I find in America is becoming more deeply divided. We divide on so many issues and so many things. And we take little points of minutia and turn them into points of division. But can we pray tonight for a moment that the Lord God who knows very well how to steward over his bride, how to keep his church, would maintain unity, faith, and fellowship in this house. And let's pray for our nation, those of us who are from the United States, and for nations around the world, because there is a shaking coming. There's a great and terrible day of tragedy coming. And while we look forward to the coming of the day of the Lord, we take no joy in the remorse and the pain and the destruction that some others may feel at his coming. We desire that they should repent. We desire that they should be, even as we are, one with the Lord Jesus Christ and through him, start your show now. one with press God. One. Your show is scheduled to start in 32 seconds. That being the case, brethren, let's pray. Holy God, mighty God, wonderful God, Lord and Savior, we come to you tonight, Lord God. We come to you tonight giving you glory and honor and worship, recognizing, Lord God, that without you we are nothing, but through you we can do all things. We acknowledge Your the show glory. will go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Blog Talk Radio. We acknowledge the glory and the greatness of the Christ. We acknowledge that you are and you were, that you came into this world 100% man, 100% God. That you are the only mediator between God and man. That you are our propitiation and our only hope in this world. Oh Lord and God, we worship you and we ask you to come tonight, oh God, and restore, oh God, this fractured body called the church. Oh God, we pray, Lord God, that you would shut the mouths of those who come only to sow discord and this unity and pain, oh God, those who come into the house to disrupt the fellowship because they understand the power of unity. Father, we come against, oh God, 
lasciviousness on the one hand, and we come, O Lord, against, O God, legalism on the other. We come against, Lord God, licentiousness on the one hand, and we come against an extreme religiosity on the other. We come against denominational breakings and fracturings. We come against, Lord God, hypocrisy, O God, and falsehood. We come, O God, against the spirit of the age, whether that be a Jezebel spirit or a worldly spirit or a dividing spirit. We come against Satan and the prince of the power of the air. We come against familiar spirits, Lord God, and everything that would hinder the people of God. We come against pride, O God, and envy and strife and greed that, Lord, make us elevate men to the position of Godhood. We come against the worship of pastors and the pastorate, oh God, and we come against false labels, Lord God, and the pride and the arrogance that must assume, oh God, high titles and be called and be known and take the highest seats in the house. Oh God, we come in support of humility. We come, oh God, in support of your love and of grace and of mercy. We come, Lord God, begging your mercy for the church and your mercy, oh God, upon our nation. We pray, Lord God, for our leaders, Lord God, both in this world, presidents and prime ministers and legislators and judges, oh God, who sit in seats of authority, for we know that there is no authority unless it be ordained by you. We pray, O oh God, that you would turn their hearts to God. We pray, O oh God, that each and every one of them would be turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, God, against spirits of religion, Lord God, of false religion and lies, O oh God, that permeate the airwaves, O oh God. Our televisions, our radios, our internet waves, O oh God, constantly bombarding us, Lord God with false truths from Hinduism and Islam and the like, O oh God. We pray that your truth would resound through the earth, O oh God, and that many, 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 many in business and in, in, and in politics, Lord God, that many in education, Lord God, and many, Lord God, O oh, oh God, from the food servers and the fry cooks, O oh God, and the servers, O oh God, and the waiters, Father God, O oh God, to the CEOs and the presidents and vice presidents of corporation. Oh, Lord, from the lowest seat in the house to the highest, we pray that you would turn the hearts and minds of men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God, we come against the spirit of this age that would abuse our children that desires, Lord God, to legalize and normalize pedophilia. Oh God, we pray a ring of fire, oh God, of your protection around every child of every race and tribe, oh God, whether, oh God, they be immigrants or citizens, Lord God, whether they come from the north or from the south, from the east or from the west, Lord God, whether from Africa or Asia, Lord God, whether from Europe or Australia, from South America, North America, America, Arctic, oh God, it matters not to us, we pray, Lord God, for the children are precious, Lord God, and you said that we could not enter the kingdom of heaven unless we could do it with the heart of a child, and the enemy has come, oh God, to destroy the innocence of the children, Lord God, but we raise up a standard against him, the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ, oh God, we remind the enemy tonight, oh God, that you alone are God. 
that the mountains are yours and the fields are yours, the deserts, the plains, the oceans, the valleys, the lakes, the rivers, the ponds. Oh God, there is not a blade of grass, a grain of sand, a pebble, a drop of water anywhere on this earth over which you do not declare mine and so much more the souls of men. So we pray, Lord God. We pray tonight for salvation. We pray tonight, O oh God, for opened eyes and opened ears and open hearts to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. O oh God, and we come against manufactured gospels, Lord God, that add to your word or subtract to your word. O oh God, we pray that men would be preached under conviction, Lord God, and that in that conviction they would find true repentance. They would turn from their sin into the arms of a loving Savior. Oh God, then that by faith, oh God, they should be saved by your grace through faith, that they would receive the free gift and their lives would be forever changed, that they would walk in obedience. Father, we pray for those who struggle tonight. We pray, oh God, for business leaders and politicians tempted, oh God, by power and greed and notoriety and arrogance and envy and strife. We pray tonight, Lord God, for pastors and evangelists and elders and, oh God, men and women of God who are being tempted to sin who are tempted to go back, oh God, to fornication and adultery, to alcohol and drugs, who are being tempted to sensuality, oh God, and to greed and to pride, oh God. We stand in the gap, oh God, for those who are losing strength. We hold out a hand and say, hold on, brother. We'll lift you up. We'll support you in prayer. Don't give up the fight. Don't give up the race. Don't stop running. Run, 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 run to the end. We pray for strength and grace for exhausted moms and powerless dads that they would once again receive joy and grace and energy and peace and life to raise up children unto God. And we pray tonight. We pray tonight, O oh God, that you would turn hearts and minds to you. We pray for the lost and we pray for the saved. We pray for the Christian and we pray for the damned, O oh God. That all our hearts and all our minds and all our lives would be so turned to you, Lord God. That we would give everything, everything, everything for Jesus. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for your glory. We worship you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Brothers and sisters, we're going to go to one more song of worship, fittingly called, I'll Give Thanks. We're going to give thanks unto God. We're going to worship our God. And then we're going to go to the Word of God. We're going to jump around to a little tonight. We'll be in the book of Matthew. We'll be in the book of James. We'll reflect on a verse from Proverbs. But we're going to start and anchor ourselves.
in the 12th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bible, please get it out, open it up, but then don't try to read ahead and figure out where I'm going. Once you're ready, let's take this time, and one more time, let's worship our great and glorious God. I'll give thanks. Song says, in the morning you sing over me, I receive your mercy. Your faithfulness is clear to see, constant every day. In the morning you sing over me, and I receive your Come mercy. Come on, worship saints. Your faithfulness is clear to see. Every breath I breathe an invitation. In the morning. Back, we're going back. I receive your mercy. I receive your mercy. Your faithfulness is clear to see. Your faithfulness is clear to see. Constant every day. Constant every day.
line God's not worried so why should I worry God's not worried so why should I worry oh love that love that love that 
Brothers, sisters, friends, let's go to the Word of God. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke tonight, chapter 12. That's where we're going to start. Um, well, you know what? Let me just read this. Let's pray. And I'm just going to speak to you from the heart tonight. And he, being Jesus, spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose? Shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body more than raiment. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, ready for the finish line. If you wanted to give this another title, you could call it Facing Death. Let's pray and then I'll tell you where I'm coming from. Spirit of the living God, you have been with us tonight. and We trust and know and believe that you have heard our prayers. So we ask you now to hear us once again as we ask you, Lord, to be with us in the teaching, the preaching, the hearing, the receiving of your word. May every ear be open, may every heart be fertile ground. May my tongue be the pen of a ready writer writing upon the hearts of your people, Lord God, so that that great getting up morning, that last of all evenings, will not catch us unaware. But let us instead be found waiting vigilant, ready to face our Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the honor and the privilege of having you speak to us tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Brothers, sisters, friends, I want to talk to you from the heart. Um, as you know, we've been doing this series on parables and I was drawn to this parable this week because I've been dealing with the question of death. You see, when I was in college, I pledged a fraternity. Uh, listen, I, I know what some of you are going to say about secret societies and all that, but if you know my testimony, you know that I was not saved. 
and I joined this organization and we became a family. Now I know some of you, when you think about fraternity, you think drinking and getting drunk and carousing, but actually it was interesting. See, the Zeta Eta chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated never served alcohol at their parties. And they were adamant about living up to the goals and aims of the fraternity, manly deeds, scholarship, and love for all mankind. First of all, servants of all, we shall transcend all. And there was a bond of brotherhood in these men whom I had not met till I got to college became my family. I graduated with several of them. And I got the news last week that one of them with whom I had lost contact over the last few years had died. And immediately, you know, I, I reflected on the idea, you know, tomorrow's promise to no man. and But it was hard to receive because this is a young man who is my age. You see, too often we think tomorrow's promise to no man. And we look at our elderly grandma or grandpa in the corner. We look at those brethren among us or we look at our family and friends who are in their 80s and 90s. And, you know, and if they're over 90, they're 100 or more. We know that they're kind of living on borrowed time. But this was a young man. 48 years old, 49. Actually, I believe he had just turned, right, he had just turned 49. And literally, within a day or two of his 49th birthday, died in his sleep. I got the news that a close relative of one of my relatives had also died. And so I was thinking on death and searching the scripture and God brought me to this power, power this powerful parable that I want to share with you tonight see remember that Jesus used parables to both reveal and to hide secrets about the kingdom he explained to his disciples those who were his inner circle he said to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God but to the multitude, it's to be hidden in parables. And so I speak to those of you tonight for whom it is meant to know the truths of the kingdom of God. And I say, let us reflect upon this. Jesus said there was a man, he's a rich man. He was a successful man. In fact, from the story, we can tell that his wealth and success had succeeded his own expectations because it forced him to sit back and go, wow. I have more than I will ever need. What should I do? And the decision of his mind and of his heart was that he should tear down the vats that he had. That he should tear down his barns and build greater barns and greater vats and greater storehouses and store it all up to himself. And then sit back and live a life of ease with his feet up, 
his hands folded, to eat, drink, and be merry, and proclaim to his own soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. What a plan. And is that not the way so many in our modern culture have been raised to believe? Everything is gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. You got to get yours, go for yours, get yours first. Store up and save up and accumulate. And hasn't that spirit infiltrated so much of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ through the false gospel of prosperity? Telling us that somehow, if you drive a Bugatti and I drive a Buick, that somehow the hand of God's favor is greater upon you than it is upon me. And so the measure of a man or the measure of a woman has become the wealth that he can accumulate, how big his house is, how nice his car is, whether he has a circular driveway, whether he has all this nice stuff. But I want you to see the heart of this man and how wrong his heart is. He had more than he will ever need. Jesus tells us clearly that to give is better than to receive. That we are to have generous hearts. That we are to look out for others. That we are to prefer others above ourselves. But this man thought only of himself. Having accumulated so much extra and not knowing what to do with it, he came up with a plan to make sure he could have more and more and more and enjoy it. He never thought about those around him in need. He never thought about the church or the work of God. Brother, sister, friend, I appeal to you. Guard your heart against the spirit of greed in this age. By the way, my preaching this message is no reflection on the individuals close to my heart who died this week. I'm not saying that they were like the man in this story. I want to get that straight in case there's family and frat listening. Okay, that's not what I'm trying to say. But there is an issue of the heart that this man did not take into account. You see, he thought, I have many years ahead of me and I need the life of comfort. And that is another sinful thing that the spirit of the age has brought into our hearts and minds today. That God's intention is that we should all live a life of comfort. But Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. In this life, the Bible says you will have many blessings with persecution. In fact, men hear me who are listening to me tonight. The Bible even goes as far as to say that there is something worse than in heathen. And that's a man of God who does not work and take care of his family. Who abandons his responsibility and leaves it to other people. 
and this spirit of entitlement and this idea that everything should be free and that we deserve our best life now. No, brothers, sisters, Jesus said we're to store up riches in heaven, not in this earth. Listen, I'm not proclaiming that everyone has to take a vow of poverty. I'm not proclaiming that somehow poverty is more blessed than wealth. I'm not saying that. And I know the stresses of living. Forget paycheck to paycheck. The paycheck is spent before you got it. I know what it's like to live that way. And I understand that God did not intend for us to live digging through trash cans hoping to find something to eat. I get that. That's not God's intention. But it is also not God's intention that we should store up and accumulate so much wealth for ourselves and sit back and enjoy the easy life while men and women and children around us starve and suffer. That was never God's intention either. You need to know that tonight. And so what is this story telling us? Jesus himself goes on to explain. Take no thought for your life what you should eat, neither for the body what you should put on. Life is more than meat and the body more than raiment. Brothers and sisters, we have to be very careful with the temptation to look at this world and this life and what we have. We need to stop thinking that somehow the blessing of God is whether I'm wearing expensive shoes and a fancy watch and beautiful rings. It's not the stuff that God has called us to. He's a good father. He's a wonderful provider. He'll take care of your needs. But the intention of God is to get glory for his name through our lives and our living, to establish the kingdom of God here on earth so that there should be many, many, many saved going on to glory. And this man had forgotten that. And so many forget that. So many think, I have time. I'll deal with that God thing later, but I'm here to tell you tonight. 99.9% of the time, the way you lived is the way you died. You see, every time you reject the message of Christ, every time you reject the gospel, every time you reject God, your heart gets harder. Your mind becomes more solidified in the idea that this is just what I do. I'll give you a simple, simple example just in life. If you take a certain road to get home, and you take that road one time, two times, three times, four times, five times, you will eventually get to a point that you can't conceive of any other way to get home. This is just the way I go. And if you ever had to take a cab or get a ride from a friend, and they tried to take you another way, you'd be uncomfortable with it. You'd let them know, like, hey, this is not the way you should go. This is the way that I go. You are solidified. By the same token, you start a new bedtime routine. You determine starting tonight, every night, you're going to do X, and then you're going to do Y, and then you're going to crawl into bed at some exact time. And if you can keep that pattern, 5 days, 10 days, 15 days, 20 days, there'll come a time where it's so hard for you to do anything other than that pattern. 
We are creatures of habit and our brains adapt. And so once you form a habit of rejecting God, you'll reject him till you die. That's why the word says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as they did in the wilderness. Now is the day of salvation. Today is your moment. And I appeal to you tonight, please don't waste time. Because the biggest sorrow and the biggest tragedy and the biggest wrestling of my heart for the last two weeks reflecting on these two deaths is that you see both men were men who had people in their lives who knew God. Both men were men 149, the other in his 60s. One a little older than the other, but neither so old that death was expected. The fascinating thing, neither had cancer or any kind of lifelong problem. Neither was poisoned, drugged, or murdered. The older had pneumonia was having some trouble breathing, called an ambulance, and died. The younger man went to sleep, supposedly healthy, happy, laid his head on his pillow. Most likely from what we know, he had plans for the next day. He was going to work the next day. He was accumulating wealth. He was doing things. He was about business. He was a man of action. He was a lawyer. He had plans. He had, you know, briefs to file. He had contracts to settle. He had been working. He was ready. He was going places the next day. And he did not know that God would require of him his soul that night. And which of us can say with certainty, that God will not require of me my soul this night. And you can say I'm young, but I've spoken to morticians who will tell me they bury more people between the ages of 18 and 30 than they bury between the ages of 60 and 80. Let me say that again. Morticians will tell you they bury more people between the ages of 18 and 30 than they ever bury between the ages of 60 and 80. I have a better chance at 49 years old of making it to 80 than you have 18 year old of making it to 30 as a statistical fact tomorrow is not promised to any of us that's why the wise man in Proverbs says boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring You're living well now, but you don't know what your finances will be tonight or tomorrow. You may be healthy now. You don't know if your health will stay intact tomorrow. You may have a solid job right now. You don't know what's going to happen to the economy or your job or the industry tomorrow. Nothing is promised. Nothing is set in stone except one thing. Christ. 
On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And I know that Christ will be the same yesterday, today, and always. I know that he will never leave me. I know that he will never forsake me. I know that he changes not. I know that I can put confidence in him. I know that he who began a good work in me is faithful and just to complete it to the end. I know that if I'm walking with Christ, I, he will f accomplish what he began in me. I know if I'm walking with Christ and putting my trust in him and serving him, yea, though I stumble... I will not fall. When my feet slip, he will keep me from going off the precipice. I know that when I'm walking with Jesus, he's keeping me, watching over me, taking care of me. And to be absent from the body is to be present with my Lord. I know these things are true. It's not a debate. It's not a thought. It's not some religious thing that someone came up with. This is God's word. And it changes not. But everything else is temporal. My home, my car, the computer I'm using right now to preach to you, they're temporal. This ministry, I have it now. I know that God has called me to ministry. I don't believe ministers ever retire. I know that I'll go to my grave preaching the, grave, the, pre preaching, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I don't know when that grave awaits me. It could be one day, one hour, one week, one month, one decade. It could be another 30, 40 years. But what I know is I've got to fill the time. I've got to occupy the time and do those things that are right with God. I know that when I come before my Lord, I want to have crowns to lay at his feet. I know that I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I can't wait 10 years from now or 15 years from now or even six years from now to start doing his work well because I don't know when my master will require my life of me. And neither do you. Church, we've got to stop playing games and making the preaching of the gospel about a cup of coffee and your feet up on the altar rail and a 10-point sermon about a God we don't know and about how happy we're supposed to be and cars we're supposed to drive. We've got to stop this nonsense. We've got to be about our Father's business. And I do not see God anywhere in Scripture about the business of making men wealthy except where he had a purpose for that wealth. Yeah, I know, that statement just made a bunch of you uncomfortable. All the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it preachers just got uncomfortable and all the people stand against them just got uncomfortable. I made you uncomfortable on both sides of the aisle because I preach truth balanced and true. To say that God is not in the business of simply making men wealthy for the sake of wealth is a fact you can find in the Bible. But to say that God never prospered a man would make the stories of Abraham and of Isaac and especially the story of Jacob a lie. It would make the story of King David a lie. It would make the stories about Solomon a lie. But look at the men God prospered and what they did with that wealth. Look where they put it. 
Look at the power and authority and wealth God poured into Joseph and look at why he gave it to him and what he gave him to do. Hear me, businessman listening tonight or businesswoman listening tonight. God's intention is not to make you wealthy so that you can kick your feet up in a mansion somewhere and ring a little bell and have servants bring you your evening cocktail. That was never the purpose. There's a lost world out there to be saved and he intends to give it to you so he can get it through you so that the work of the gospel can be done. He's called you to be a giver. He didn't call you to accumulate wealth and build bigger barns and put your feet up and say, isn't it great for me and mine? It's God's wealth. If he shared it with you, he intends you to make a difference in this world with it. Hear me. Some of you have political power and influence. It might only be local, but you have the ear of people in your community who listen. God did not give you that influence so that you can win accolades and put medals on your chest and sit down and kick your feet up and say, oh, I'm so important. Everyone listens to me. You're nobody. You're a gnat. You're a worm. King David wrote, I am less than a worm. And he wrote that on his way to the throne. Jesus said, those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said, when you go and you're invited to dinner, seek the lowest seat in the house, not the high place. But he's given you this power and he's given you this influence so that you can make a difference in your community, so that men and women could be saved, to protect the kingdom of God and to protect this gospel and to make sure that the plan of God continues marching forward. He's given you a platform. He's given you influence. He's given you something. Christ has given given gifts to men in different forms. And he intends that we use these gifts for his glory. And that's the point of this story. The problem is not that the man was rich. The problem is not that the man built up things. The problem is that the man saw only himself in this world. We are to be given for others. Trust me, it's one of the greatest challenges of my life now that I have kids because it's very easy for me to insulate. It's very easy for me to turn inward and think of my five and no others. It's me, my wife, my three boys. I've got to focus on them. And yes, I have a responsibility before God and the church to run my house well, to provide for my family. But God challenges me and he challenges my wife. We're not to forget about others out there. We still need to pray for others. We still need to minister to others. We still need to be involved in the lives of others. And it's harder now than it was when it was just the two of us. But that's what we have to do. We have to set an example and leave a legacy for our three boys so that they will know what Christian living looks like. Brother and sister Christian, there's nothing God has given you that's all about you. It's always about him and about his glory and about the building of the kingdom, about winning souls, about setting captives free, about transforming lives. Not just to make, not so we can make life on this side of eternity easier, but so that we can give people a hope for the eternity that comes after. That's why James says in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15, go 
to now. Ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. Put not your confidence in yourself. Don't put it in your education. Don't put it in your degrees. Don't put it in your bank account. Don't put it in your 401k. Don't put it in the Dow Jones or the stock market. Don't put it uh, on, on the NASDAQ or anything else. Let your confidence be in Christ. One of the greatest summations of what I'm trying to say to you tonight came to me from a preacher who said the following and he summed it all up. It was glorious. He said, as Christians, we ought to plan our lives as though Christ would not return for a hundred years and we will live those hundred years. Plan your life as though you've got a hundred left. But live each and every single day as though Christ were coming back this moment. If you knew for sure Christ was coming back, if you knew your soul would be required of you tonight, if you knew that before your head hits the pillow tonight, the trump would sound and your life would be required of you, what would you do? Which grudges would you hold and whom would you forgive? Who would you call and whom would you withhold from, with, from calling? To whom would you speak and from whom would you withhold your speech? Come on, really. If you knew you only had the next few hours. If you knew that this message would end and you would stand before Christ. If you knew that after the preaching of this message, you had only 24 hours left and then God would require your soul. What would you do tonight? How would you wake up tomorrow morning? What would you do with your day? See, I'm not trying to put pressure on you or scare you. Like I said, plan your life as though you got 100 years more. So yes, you should do some saving and yes, you should do some planning and yes, pay your bills. Be a good steward of the things that God has given you. But live every day. Because the truth is, listen, if you look and you know anything, listen, I don't care what your eschatological background is. I don't know what you know about eschatology and the coming of the age. I don't care whether you're mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib. None of that matters. The reality is you know. Tomorrow is not a promise for anyone. You can lay your head on a pillow tonight and never wake up again. You could wake up tomorrow, World War III could break out, nuclear annihilation could take us all out. We don't know what's going to happen. We live in uncertain times. If you're enjoying prosperity now, enjoy it, but plan to use it for the future and use what you have today. See, that's my point.
You have a job and you're supposed to be at work. Get up and go to work. But as you deal with people on your job, maybe you're a waiter or a waitress. Understand you have an opportunity to meet new people every day. Find a way to share God's love with them. Find a way to show the truth of the gospel with the people with whom you work, with the people in your home, with the people in your neighborhood. Saints of God, we don't have a lot of time left. And even if we did, half the people listening to me probably won't be alive 40 years from now. Just think about that. And to those of us in our 40s, we realize now 40 is not as long as we think. It passes quickly, brethren. It passes quickly. When you meet God face to face, and He requires of you your talent, the years of life He's given to you, the abilities He's given you, the connections He allowed you to have, the time and the place of your birth, the neighborhood you lived in, the home you lived in, the jobs or job that you have had, the career that you followed, etc., etc., and he requires these things of you, what will you do? Will you show him the money left in your 401k that you left to your children? Will you show him your mountain of debt that you accumulated living in that nice big house? Will you show him your home with your circular driveway and your swimming pool? Do you really think that would impress the one who speaks galaxies into existence? Do you really think the one that made a hundred million billion stars to shine, the one who says the gold is mine and the silver is mine, do you really think he's going to be impressed with anything you have? Do you think even the billionaires of this world can impress him with their wealth or their homes? It's going to be a question. Number one. What did you do with my son? I don't care how religious you are. I don't care what your religious or denominational background. I don't care whether you come from a long line of Hindus, Buddhists, Catholics. I don't care if you come from a long line of witchcraft people. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if everyone in your family for the last two generations has been atheists. It doesn't matter what you believe. The truth is... God is God. He changes not. And he will want to know, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Because the only way you get to heaven is through him. You can talk about the good things you did. And uh, do I hope they balance the bad. But understand, the standard of God is perfection. If you made one bad deed, if you ever told one lie, if you ever stole one thing, if you ever looked on somebody with lust, if you ever got angry out of term, if you've ever lost control of your emotions, if you've ever held a grudge, if you've ever done anything in your life wrong, you've lost it already. But if your faith and confidence is in Jesus Christ, then you get in not because of anything you did, but because of everything he did. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. Get right with Jesus Christ, accept his lordship, and begin to live for him tonight. Second thing he's going to ask you to do, you say you put faith in my son and in my word. How have you lived it out? Who have you helped? What have you done? Jesus said, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. 
fact, we used to sing that song in the old school days. Whatsoever you do to the least of my people that you do unto me. And it goes on to talk about I was naked, I was afraid, not me, but them. Whom have you helped? Whom have you visited in prison? Whose bedside have you been at when they were sick? Who have you prayed for? Who have you lifted up? On whom and what have you spent your wealth? These are the questions Christ is going to have for you. Not your 401k. Not your investment portfolio. Not your job, your career, your education. That's why Paul said all these advantages I have, I count them as dung. When I look back on my life and the poverty from which I started, I realize God has been good to me. He opened doors for me. But none of that counts as value to me. My degree, that's not what's valuable to me. It's how I now use it to the glory of God. Otherwise, having it is meaningless. It's just pride, a piece of paper on the wall that makes me think I did something. Brothers, sisters, we have to fix the relation vertically between us and God. But we also have to be given horizontally. You cannot claim to love God whom you cannot see and hate your brother who you see every day. What does God want you to do with your time, with your money, with your gifts, with your talents, with your abilities, with your home? Instead of filling it up with stuff, ask God to fill it up with what I call holy ambition. Desires and callings and necessities that the Lord God puts on your heart. Finally, let me close with this. Lest you be frightful now and worry, oh my God, oh my God, tomorrow will you call me home? And be paralyzed by fear. Listen, again, Jesus speaking. This is Matthew 6, 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Meaning, do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought, shall worry or be anxious for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil or trouble thereof. Brother and sister, yes, plan for the future. Yes, put money in savings. Young people, hear me. Create streams of wealth so you don't have to work every day of your life to survive. So you can have some freedom in this world to do things. Be careful not to accumulate too much debt because once you accumulate debt, you become a slave to your debtors and your, your, your options in life become limited. Do these things wisely. But practice the art of living in the present. 
Our cell phones and technology have robbed us so often of the present moment. You go out to dinner with someone and you're on your phone checking and texting and chatting and posting. Stop. Live in the moment. You're there with another human being. There is nothing more valuable on this earth than a human soul. It's more valuable than gold and diamonds and it's more valuable than 300,000 likes on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter or any other place. Focus on human lives. Leave a legacy that the people who knew you were greatly improved for having known you. Transform the world around you. Bring the kingdom of God to earth. And make a difference in this world. That's what God has called us to do. That's what makes life meaningful. And it starts by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. By praying every day, reading your Bible every day. It's strengthened by fellowship with others because as iron sharpens iron, so does one man of faith or one woman of faith, another man or woman of faith. It then grows as we pour into others. I used to be very fond of saying, and I'm going to start saying it again, your goal in life, your pattern for life, should be as you start each day to pray and to worship God to the place that you fill yourself full to overflowing with His Spirit and His love and His joy, grace, mercy, etc. And then make it your goal, your life's ambition that each day you'll reach out to others and minister yourself empty. You'll give so much, plant so much, touch so many people that you'll be empty by the time the day ends and then run into the arms of the Father who can give you enough to have comfort and peace and get to sleep. And then you're going to pray. You're going to worship. You're going to get filled again. And then you're going to pour it out again into this world. That's what we are here for. Nothing else. Nothing else. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, you have given us your word tonight. And we thank you for your word. We love your word. And we love you. We ask you, Father, to plant this word deep in our hearts and help us to guard it with our lives that we may live for you each day. Help us to live the life of another, to be given for others, to be poured out for a lost, broken, and hurting world. And let this world see Jesus through us every day. Father, we ask this in the precious name of your wonderful Son, Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Brothers, sisters, and friends, thank you for being with us tonight. In a moment, we're going to go to another song of worship, but I I do have some announcements. Um, Number one, um, I want to let you know that next Saturday, uh, we will not be having service. 
We will not have service next Saturday, and I'll tell you why. I need a little extra time to prepare. Um, for three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, August 9th, 10th, and 11th, I'm going to be ministering at the Pentecostal Youth Fellowship of New Jersey and New York's conference. Very quickly, if you're interested, now I'll get all this up on the internet. Friday and Saturday night will be at 6.30 p.m. in Hackensack, New Jersey, specifically at 315 State Street, Hackensack, New Jersey. So if you're anywhere in the Quad State area and you can get to Hackensack for those two days, come on down. Okay. Um, the conference will end on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. at the Sheridan Mawa Hotel on International Boulevard in Mawa, New Jersey. And I believe if you contact the hotel and tell them that you're there for the conference, they do have discounted rates. That's what I'm being told. Um, like I said, I'll get all the information as, as well as a couple of uh, contact people like Pastor Stanley Joseph, Brother Blessing Joseph, and Sobi Kurovila, and others whom you can contact. I'll get all this information up on our website. Um, I'll get it up on our Facebook page. But again, I'm going to be ministering nine, the 9th through the 11th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at PF. I'm sorry, P-Y-F-N-J-N-Y. That's the short way to say Pentecostal Youth Fellowship of New Jersey and New York um, for three days. If you can make it out, I'd love to see you there. As a consequence of that preparation, I'm going to be taking next Saturday off. I, I need more time in prayer. I don't feel fully prepared for this. Um, not to mention there's a lot going on in my personal life at the same time. Um, I am mourning. We don't mourn the way the world mourns. So believe me, I'm not shutting down to go sit in a room wearing black and cry tears for the next few days. The way that I mourn is very different. But the two deaths that kind of hit me in this last week or two have forced me to take a step back and need to really restock about the plans I have for the future and to make sure I'm focused where God needs me. We've got this conference coming up. I've got some things to do. And so I'm going to take that time off next week. Um, also, I will try. I'm not going to make guarantees. I am going to try the best that I can to broadcast, at the very least, my preaching for all three services. All right? So that you won't be completely left out because obviously then the following week I won't be broadcasting either. I cannot broadcast on Saturday the 10th because I will be at this conference. Okay. Um, so we have two weeks now that we won't broadcast, though I will be broadcasting the conference if I can. I also want to let you know if you would like to support this ministry, if we've been a blessing to you and you'd like to support the things that we do. Um, three ways that you can give most of you who are with us regularly, you know them by now. Number one, you can go to our website, kqcministries.org, and click on the Donate Now tab. Number two, 
if you have what's become very popular, Zelle, or you have Quick Pay, Pop Money, PayPal, etc., you can use our email address, kqcministries at gmail.com. If they ask for a name, just use my name, Pastor Pete Torres. Now, if you don't want to do any of that, you'd like to send us a check or money order. A couple of you have done that. If you'd like to do that, you can write to us at uh, KQC Ministries, Care of Peter Torres, 97 Jefferson Street, Highland Mills, New York, 10930. Let's go to one song of worship. Um, we do have a live call-in line. Though, yeah, you know what? If anyone feels in need, if you have questions, comments, or you just really deeply need prayer tonight, you can call 646-721-9917. Press option one. That'll get you in the calling queue. Let's worship for a moment. On the cross hung my pain and the guilt and the shame. Jesus bore my suffering to the grave to make me free. Oh, the blood that was shed. to cover sin it washes clean and purifies in its healing crimson tide Jesus he took my place in divine exchange hallelujah grace is mine now I will Jesus, he took my place in 
I love that line that says, I lay down all lesser things for greater gain. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He is alive inside of me. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm looking in the call-in line, and I don't see anyone in the queue, so that's fine. I do want to thank all of you for joining us. I do want to remind you again. We will not be here next week. Um, well, at least that's the plan right now. I leave the final word on those matters to God. But we will be live in New Jersey, the 9th, 10th, and 11th. Brethren, if you can make it down, I'd really love to see you, physically see you. Shake your hand. Give you a hug, maybe even break bread, have a moment of fellowship. It'd be wonderful. If you can make it, please join us. We love you. Jesus loves you so much more. Be blessed and be a blessing. The Lord bless and keep you now and always. I remind you that you are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. In this life, yes, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus Christ has overcome the world, and therefore I can declare honestly and openly that you are world overcomers. Father, bless these, your people, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We love you, brothers and sisters, but Jesus loves you even more. You've been blessed, now go be a blessing. Let's go rejoicing. Let's go rejoicing.